Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What makes the Chicagoland area such a mysterious place? For one, it's a very old city founded in the late 19th century and has continued to grow, becoming the third largest in the country. Since then, we have learned about stories such as mysterious fires, haunted cemeteries, violent murders, evil energy, and more. Last episode, we covered the truth behind fear and how fascinatingly spooky stories can be and develop into. In this episode, we discuss some of your favorite Chicago haunted stories and what makes Chicago such a special place for spooky lovers. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. Chicago is notoriously known for its gangsters and mobsters, specifically in the 1900s where we see the rise of people like Al Capone. According to the American Mafia history, Al Capone was the leader of the Chicago Outfits, an organized group developed during the Prohibition era. One of the most known killings of the time was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where seven men were shot to death during a gang dispute. Historian and author Adam Seltzer says stories like these fascinate many people across the world. Part of it is just that we have better documentation of a lot of this stuff. We had so many newspapers back in the day, and this stuff was so heavily covered. I mean, for better, for, for better or worse, the press was always Chicago, uh, fascinated by Chicago crime. I mean, in, the 19, in 1930, we ranked 46th in most dangerous cities. We weren't even anywhere near the top 10, but something about ours were just more sensational or whatever, but newspapers gave them a lot more coverage, so there's a lot more data out there, for better or worse. And here are a few more of Selzer's favorite Chicago legends. In the late 1920s, one night, there was um, Guy Lombardo and his band were playing at the Granada Cafe down by Oakwood Cemetery. And in the middle of it, there were a couple of low-level mobsters who were sitting at one of the tables, and a couple of guys came in and shot him to death. And the hell of it is WBBM was broadcasting from the cafe that night. So the next day, there were all these people all over the country who swore that they heard the murder live on the radio. And uh, the station said they weren't actually broadcasting what had happened. But I don't know if there's a recording of that night, so there's not really a way to know for sure. Lincoln Park at the turn of the 20th century was uh, mo the most famously haunted place in the city. 
uh, security guards who worked there had all kinds of stories about it. Like there was supposed to be a girl in white who would show up whenever a carriage drawn by white horses went by at midnight. I'm not sure how often that happens. Uh, there was a guy that they would they called the sombrero man who was said to walk around there. And some of this was probably related to the fact that it been, that at the time it had been within a lot of people's memory, a cemetery in Lincoln Park. But also in the early days of Lincoln Park, there's any number of stories about finding dead bodies there. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of those. And, you know, the, the security guards instincts in those days, whenever they saw a ghost, their instinct was always to shoot at it. Uh, the ghost of Sombrero Man shot back, but nobody ever got hurt. According to CBS News, the haunted and paranormal experiences people had in the late 19th century and today came from a previous bridge that was built in the 1890s before the World's Fair. It's said that over 100 documented suicides took place at the bridge along with other attempts and accidents. In 1919, the bridge was torn down. Now, why was it torn down? They say it was because of disrepair, but many believe it was because of the extensive amounts of deaths. But urban legends being passed down generation after generation is like a game of telephone. The facts and elements of the stories continue to change person to person, until we're not too sure what the real story is. Sometimes it's written by the winners and sometimes it's actually written by the losers. And as, uh, as society changes, we react to it differently. And uh, the uh, information that survives, the information that gets filtered down, that can change as well, depending on any number of factors. So, you know, urban legends can be both fascinating and also kind of annoying because they kind of get in the way of uh, in the way of what actually happened quite a bit but i wouldn't say that they evolve that much more than regular history does for the most part though selzer says with the advancement of technology there are all sorts of ways to find research on some of your favorite spooky stories it's getting easier and easier as more and more newspapers get digitized but still, some of the most important sources, I still have to go, like with the Francis Carrick story, I knew that was going to be the Chicago Evening American was going to be all over that story. They had a ton of pictures. They interviewed Francis. They brought in psychiatrists to try to explain how this works to people and really remarkably modern articles for 1923. Um, and when I'm doing like Civil War stuff, the Chicago Times, the anti-Lincoln paper is infuriating to read, but it's also a really important source. And that one you still have to get at the over in the microfilm rooms. So it's getting easier and easier as more papers get digitized, but there's still uh, a lot of digging left to do. Sometimes I really do have to roll up my sleeves. As a historian here in Chicago, Seltzer does tours across the city. One of the many places he takes people is to Graceland Cemetery, which is located on the north side of Chicago and is the resting place for many famous Chicagoans. But is also known for some very creepy stories. Jensen Allen, executive director of Graceland Cemetery, talks about some of the tales attached to the cemetery. Dexter Graves, which his monument is known as Eternal Silence, is kind of a, a hooded figure. It's very large. It has, it's bronze, but it's patinaed, so it's green. Um, that particular monument just tends to creep people out in general. Um, there's nothing, frankly, interesting about the person. He was one of the first businessmen in the Chicago, one of the first settlers, owned a hotel, um, was not his idea to put this monument there. It was his son's. um, And it has just really made people kind of feel like it's like the Grim Reaper. Um, The idea is that if you look into his eyes, you can see your own death. And that if you try and take a picture of him, he does not um, show up in the photos. 
Um, that is kind of the whole, the mythology behind him. You'll usually encounter people that say, oh, it's really cool, or oh, that creeps me out, I'm not going near it. Selzer says on his Mysterious Chicago website, the monument was sculpted by Lorado Taft. What makes it so unsettling is that the statue, while weathered, emits an eerie presence. So much so that official documents by the U.S. Department of Interior noted as such. The eternal silence stands tall and resembles a similar greenish tone to that of the Statue of Liberty and guards the grave of Dexter Graves, who died in 1844. Graves is commemorated for leading a group of 13 families from Ohio to Chicago to begin a new life in the city in 1831. But back to the statue. It's tall, hooded, and difficult to see its face and eyes. A hood covers it, and its right arm is draped over his mouth, similar to how you might envision a traditional vampire lurking around in the night. Unlike a blood-sucking ghoul, though, this statue is said to show you your own death if you can stare it down. Not too sure about you, but I'm quite content with being surprised with how I tap out of the world and not have a creepy monument tell me in advance. However, Jensen says there is a more prevalent haunted legend at the cemetery. Inez Clark, or the girl in the glass box, um, that is more towards the center of the cemetery. People literally come here and they ask, oh, I'm looking for the little girl in the glass box or glass case. And it is a lifelike um, marble monument that is encased in glass due to the delicacy of the um, stone material. Just doesn't last very well in Chicago. And that lore behind that is that Inez died by being struck by lightning when she was fairly young. And her parents wanted to have you know, her memorialized in a, in a more fitting fashion. So they had a lifelike uh, stone recreated for her. Um, the people have claimed to see her disappear from the box and show up in other areas of the cemetery during a storm. Um, we have not witnessed it as employees, but other people visiting the cemetery have said sometimes they can hear a little child giggling if they're around or if they're, you know, if the weather's overcast that, you know, there's a different feeling that they have at her space. According to Atlas Obscura, the Chicago Cemetery Authority or Cemetery Lady Helen Sclair claims the occupant of the grave is actually a young boy named Amos Briggs. Sclare says that the statue was designed by sculptor A. Gagle, who created a similar statue in nearby Rose Hill Cemetery on the north side of Chicago. It's speculated that Gagel positioned this monument as advertisement for his work, which then leads into the question, did little Inez Clark ever truly exist? According to the graveyard and census records, no such name for a young girl comes up. Her actual name is Inez Briggs, and she was adopted by her aunt and uncle. She did pass away from diphtheria, which was a very common childhood illness that kids die from at that time. Um, as you can imagine, that's not quite as interesting as what has become of her, her story, her and her tale. Um, we aren't fully aware of what that actual lore came from, like how it came about that she was struck by lightning and um you know that's how she passed because it's not in any of the records one can only assume that because it's such a lifelike kind of eerie 
um, statue that someone just really thought it was had to be a really tragic death that happened to a child and may have experienced some some situation there where they maybe during a storm where they attributed that to them. Some people claim to see a young girl running around in 19th century clothing in the graveyard attempting to play amongst the graves. Another more terrifying tale is that during storms, especially when lightning is involved, legend says the statue girl leaves the box entirely and grazes the graveyard. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How do we discover these stories? Aside from historical research, news articles, word of mouth, and perhaps even seeing it with our own eyes? To help us better understand these paranormal experiences, we took a trip to the western suburbs to talk with a paranormal team who goes out to investigate places that might have a ghostly presence. I'm Audra Weisrick. I'm co-founder of West Suburban Paranormal Investigations. Uh, Kim Pierce. I'm team member with West Suburban Paranormal Investigations. Nancy, I am co-founder and investigator. A few weeks ago, they held a conversation at the Aurora Public Library in downtown Aurora to talk about what it's like to be someone who isn't afraid of no ghosts. Perhaps you're familiar with the popular shows like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Kindred Spirits, and other variations of possibly possessed TV shows. Unlike some of these, West Suburban Paranormal Investigations are run by people who want to discover more about the other side while helping others and our ghostly counterparts. We've done probably close to 100 different investigations since we've been together. We don't always find stuff. So yeah. I think that by saying that, it kind of proves that we're more truer of a paranormal team because we're not going to fake evidence. What Audra means is that her team goes out to collect audio, video, and personal experiences to confirm and deny any paranormal activity. Audra's husband is actually the team's skeptic. She explains that he'll debunk anything like faulty wiring, if there's a reflection that's causing a light trick, and other items that may explain if someone is experiencing a potential paranormal patron in their home. However, she says her husband doesn't always find a logical explanation for why something may be happening. And then you can change the speed of the channels, which this, channels you want you to use. This one's actually on a phone. So why call a paranormal investigator versus a plumber or an electrician first? Why does it come immediately to the thought of, it must be paranormal? Well, some people simply believe more in the spiritual aspects of things over the mundane. But this thought process wasn't always very popular. It's funny because, it, like you're saying, if 10 years ago, if you were to say that I was into paranormal or I see ghosts or I want to start a team, people would kind of roll their eyes and go, oh my God. And now we hand our cards out everywhere and 95% of the people are like, let me tell you about me growing up in a haunted house or let me tell you about my cat that died that I still see all yeah. over the place. 
It's become a lot more accepting. The WSPI goes around Illinois to investigate places like Bachelor Grove Cemetery, but they often do house calls more often than not. Audra again. Well, most of our bread and butter is going into people's homes or businesses. They contact us and they're like, we have something going on. Can you come and look? But yearly we do our own field trips to big name places. And we've been to Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Kentucky. And there's an Eldred House, Southern Illinois, um, Old Lake County Jail in Indiana. Those are kind of our field trips that we do that are more big named. In Wilmington, Illinois, the group went out to help a family who's experiencing some strange occurrences in their home. Nancy says this outing is what really confirmed her beliefs in the paranormal. It's like as soon as you walk through the front door, the hairs on the back of your neck stood up. It was so high in energy. That's all I can say. It was really, really high and strong. But throughout the night, we found a little boy that, that had died there. And um, we caught his voice on, it, it, I was using the echo box, which is like a spirit box. But it wasn't using that. His voice cut over the echo box. So he was truly right there next to me. Um, and he was telling another spirit that, that this is for me. You can't come through. So he was really enjoying our company. But, I mean, he followed me the whole night, which was crazy. And the next time that we went back, he was still there. Um, so, yeah, that was mine. And I was sold ever since then. Just the excitement of that experience was just, like, incredible is all I can say. WSPI was kind enough to send us over the voice recording from this investigation. So a heads up, if you don't want to get too spooked, skip ahead around seven seconds. That's kind of chilling, right? If you happen to have ghosts in your house, work, or wherever you inhabit frequently, what can you do to get rid of them? And how do they even get there? One way is simple. They died there and haven't went to the light yet, as many of us refer to as some type of afterlife. The other way they begin to nestle into somebody's abode is through portals. Portals are basically openings for otherworldly entities to poke through into our world. Those are often already present in an area or have popped up because someone opened it up by using something like a Ouija board, a seance, or simply saying welcome, but not saying goodbye. I would suggest if you don't have any experience, you don't do it because it's very important to close it. It's, it's, it portal is a door to the other side, and you may be looking to talk to your mom. But there could be five or six spirits within a mile of you. They see the door open. They're going to come through because they want to talk to people. So just because it's the person that you want to talk to, that doesn't mean that's the person that's coming through. It doesn't mean it's an inherent evil being encroaching on you. But if you forget to close it or give off bad energy, you may encounter something more sinister. We have no control over who comes through. And if you don't close the door correctly, it could just... The door will stay open and you have no idea who's going to come through after that. And it could be trouble. After hearing all of this, do you think you have the spirit in your home? What can you do to protect yourself? Kim and Audra share their suggestions. We have a black salt that we use that we put behind the car. Salt is a, is a mineral that you can put where the spirits aren't supposed to be able to cross. And black salt is just a little stronger than white salt. But we each have different things depending on 
what we believe in. I have a bunch of Catholic prayers that I do. Nancy does a lot with sage. She has sage cleansings that she does. I do prayers. I do prayers, and then I have um, a medal that I wear that's a uh, St. Michael and a, a guardian angel on it when I go to investigations. And we make sure to Try close. To we close all the portals when we leave, too, so yeah. that way there's nothing left open. But if you're trying to communicate while being bundled up in various protective trinkets and elements, you might not be able to dial up to your ghosty roommate. We found out the more when you wear a lot of protection when you're going in and you're trying to build you know, your little bubble so nobody touches you, you also are decreasing your chance of reaching whoever is there spiritually. Right. So you're so protected that they can't even get through you. Yeah. So we decrease it a little bit, but still definitely protect ourselves. And also when we leave, we tell them you're not allowed to come with us. Mm -hmm. You must stay here or go on. Thanks for listening to this episode of WBBM Courier Pigeon, our newest podcast. We'll be back in our normal attire next week, unspookified. Until then, subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. WBBM Courier Pigeon is an original podcast production. It is produced, written, and edited by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner. Reporting for this episode was done by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner. Thanks for listening to WBBM Courier Pigeon. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.